Hello, everyone, and welcome to the ISO Review Podcast, a production of Simplify ISO. The ISO Review Podcast shares the latest international standards development and is your resource for getting the most out of your management systems. Hello, I'm Howard Fox, business coach and host of the Success Insight Podcast, and I am joined by Jim Moran, ISO management system professional, now celebrating his 31st year delivering ISO support. Hello, Jim. How are you doing today? Doing great, Howard. It's a beautiful day here in southwestern Ontario, and we're looking forward to a summer of lots of sunshine and lots more podcasts. Fantastic. Now, now today, as we record this episode, it is May 22nd, and we'll have this published a week from tomorrow, Tuesday, so it would be the 30th. But as I recall, today is today a holiday in Canada. It is, Howard, indeed. It's the celebration of Queen Victoria's birthday. And I think next week is your a Memorial Day holiday, isn't it? We're coming up to our Memorial Day holiday. Yes, it is. It's a holiday time of year. What can I say? You know, I love it. It just reminds us to not sit in front of our computers interviewing each other or doing work, but getting out there and enjoying this phenomenal summer weather. So fantastic. Lots of photography opportunities for you, Howard, that's for sure. Most definitely. So what is in store for us today? Well, we had a a series of podcasts, Howard. The first one in ISO 27001 Inside Annex A. We started out with looking at Section Five, which is organizational controls. There were 37 of those. Then we went into the next section, section six, which was people controls, around 20 of those. And then we went into physical controls, like the building, the offices, the, the secure the sections for our servers and so on. But today we're going to be looking at the final section of the annex with 35 four controls or 37, I think this may, let me double check there, 30 with 34 controls and it's called technical, technological controls. So we'll be looking at the sort of real nuts and bolts of this whole standard. These are the things that hopefully will protect you from malware and so on. Excellent. So we'll start out talking about the sort of people side of it, just in terms of devices people use. And the first few of 8.1 to 8.5 talk about things like privileged access, user endpoint devices, information access restriction. A lot of people take the approach that you can't see anything unless we tell you you can, as opposed to saying you can see this, you can see this, you can see this. Helps a lot. So restricting information access and especially to source code. People don't want to be in there messing around for sure. And then we have one section on capacity management, 8.6, but it's impacted by protection against malware, management of technical vulnerabilities, configuration management. If you're doing, if you're writing software, definitely you want to have configuration management or even just configuration of your system. That takes us down to 8.10. And then needless to say, if you're retiring a device, if you're changing a system or so on, you want to make sure you delete information 
that isn't any longer required and delete it in such a way that it can't be retrieved even by tricky bad actors out there. Then we get into some data parts, 8.11 to 15. Data masking is important. Data leakage prevention, of course, is critical. Information backup. I've worked with clients that when we started to work, they backed up once a year and they looked at me with horror and, and shock when I said, so you're willing to lose a whole year's worth of work? And they realized they had to get, to get their backup timetable tweaked for sure. Then, of course, obviously redundancy is important, logging, logging, whatever's going on, any kind of activities you're doing, they want to record those exceptions. You want to catch a, a record of fault, any other relevant event. And then those logs, of course, need to be stored and protected as well. So lots of protection needs to go on around information security for sure. And of course, with all this stuff in place, you want to make sure that you're monitoring all these activities. There's not much point in doing all this and then not looking at it. And that takes us to the 816 section. Clock synchronization is kind of off on its own. And then we get into 818 to 822, talking about utility programs. Everybody has a utility program on his or her computer. Now you can go in and clean things up. And then we need to make sure that only certain people have access to those utility programs so that errors don't cause the system any grief. Software on operational systems, make naturally, you want only qualified people installing software. And then, of course, that ties in with network security, network services, segregating the networks, of course, to make sure that every part doesn't impact another part if something goes wrong with it, the network, individual networks inside your company, intranet, internet, making sure they work independently and both securely, of course. Then web filtering is a really important control to have in place. If anybody in your organization accesses external websites, and I'm sure everybody who's listening today does that themselves and has all, all the people they work with in their organization also access external websites. And that's, of course, a big area where you could be exposed to malicious content kind of along the lines, but in, in individually with this use of cryptography and key management is critical. You, know, we have, you have to define and implement the processes for making sure you're using cryptography effectively and not exposing yourself to any malicious activities through the use of poorly designed cryptography. Then from 25 to 30, maybe 31, we get, we're talking about developing software. There, as you know, there's a development, software development life cycle. So we need rules for that. And then of course, security requirements in the life cycle stage, system architecture and engineering principles need to be really well known by all the people doing the coding. And of course you want them to do secure coding. And once it's underway, you want to be testing in a secure 
method or a secure location as well as secure server. And occasionally, it's becoming very popular to outsource software development. And that's, of course, another area where there could be dangers lurking. So you need to direct it, monitor it, review the activities related to outsourced system development. I think a lot of organizations do all that on an unconnected server, a separate server of their own when they're working with the, say, a, 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 a coder from another or a systems developer from a, another country. And then once you're satisfied that it's, it's safe and secure, then you can bring it into your own system and get it loaded in there and try it out, see how it's working. So making sure that anything you've done elsewhere, even if it's in your own country, any outsourced development needs to be directed, monitored, reviewed, and so on, just to make sure that when it goes into production in your own system, that it's not going to do any harm to you. And then even separating the test and production environments so that everything's not happening in one place, do development one area, test in another area, and then, then before you put it into production, make sure that the production environment it's going into is secure as well. That takes us to 32 which talks about change management. And this was a new clause added to ISO 27001 in the 2022 version. It's clause 6.3. That's in that section, the six point, or sorry, clauses four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, and 10 before the annex starts. And there we'd be looking at keeping complete track of all the changes that are made and even to the facility and the information system itself, just to make sure that everybody understands how you got to where you are today and that changes are controlled and managed as well, that you don't just say, hey, let's try this and make a change and then the explosion takes place. The testing after the change, of course, is critical. That's 8.33. And you need to select, protect, and manage all information related to testing as a result of changing or just testing in general. And then finally, 8.34, protection of the information system during audit testing. And you'd be doing all kinds of tests, insurance activities, assessment of operational systems, all kinds of things like that. And you need to plan them and agree them between the tester and appropriate management. This might even include penetration testing coming from an external party or penetration testing that you designed for your own company. And there you have it, Howard, 34 requirements in Annex A, Clause 8, technological controls or technological approach. To Very good. Making, yeah. And there you have it. Very Thanks. Good. Yeah. So I'm curious, in in your work, I, I would say your most recent work as 27001 was rolled out, what of these clauses here and the ones you've mentioned today under technical control, are there any that your your clients are struggling with or maybe they they don't realize, and you used that example earlier about the backup and mm -hmm. the, your client was backing up once a year and you 
you asked us very insightful questions. So are you, you're willing to lose a year's worth of data? And of course they went and made a change. Is there other intricacies of managing the, the technical controls that you're finding that your clients are, are struggling with, or perhaps they don't realize the complexity and it's forcing them to perhaps rethink what they have been doing in the past? Yeah, great, great question, Howard. Probably I point out things to them that hadn't occurred to them. I mean, every, every organization trusts all their employees or they wouldn't hire them, but they often don't think of things like access to source code thinking that people, higher middle management, higher management have access to everything in most systems. And of course, source code is one thing that's critical to survival. So that's one thing they often rethink after we've done some work together. The other, the other biggest challenge I think most of them face is this was clause 8.6 we rushed by called capacity management. And it, Today, with today's technology, it's very easy for organizations to design programs that will tell them how much information they can process and sometimes even give them an idea of how well or how quickly or how effectively they can actually develop code for a client if they happen to be writing software for a, for a client. So just rethinking who has access to what and trying to, trying to develop a an effective method of determining capacity. Those, those from, in my experience with the clients I've worked with, those are definitely kind of hit the things that they just didn't think about before we started working together or before they learned about this standard and started getting into it. Another thing that's starting to pop up is this concept of data masking. Everybody who's listening today has purchased something from a, an organ, a store somewhere or some kind of, of service provider. And you'll notice the first 12 numbers of your credit card are X'd out and you can see the last four. So you knew which, which card year you, you used. So that's date. That's an example of data masking. And it's something that organizations could be using, especially when they're sending information to their clients, the client needs to see the information, but they don't need to see other intricate details or intricate workings of your own organization. So that's another place people sometimes didn't think of before we started working together and before they started to implement 27,001. There you go. Okay. So I have a, a couple of questions since we have a little bit of time left. Yeah. We, we've gone through the entire Annex A and mm -hmm. we've looked at organizational controls, people, physical. And finally today, technical controls. Do you have a sense of how this annex is going to evolve? And, and the reason I'm asking this is recently, and I, I would say for this year, or perhaps last year, we've become more aware of, for example, chat GPT, the, which is artificial intelligence and training our computer to take our, you know, keywords, our questions and to turn in, turn it into text so that we can use it on our blogs, our websites, perhaps even write a book from it, an article. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering how organizations will begin to 
respond to those challenges or or is this something maybe it's out of the scope of 27001 oh no it's it's right in the right in the crosshairs it's it's great that you mentioned this because many listeners will either have heard about it or have used it already and when you have any software outside of your own secure network working with things inside your secure network that you can see how it's an obvious vulnerability and the chat GTP software and others that, that translate things and let you take articles, reword them, put them out again as new information. Anything that's working inside your system needs to be monitored very, very carefully and tested. And of course, the good news is an organization that the use of the chat GP, the owners are of course interested in having billions of people use it. So they'll be doing everything they can, I'm sure, to protect it, to keep it safe for people to use. I mean, I, I'm not suggesting for a second you don't think about it, but definitely it's an area that could open up a, a gigantic portal for someone to jive, some bad actors to dive into your system. It's, it's a huge philosophical question as well, as you, I'm sure, have spent some time thinking about just the idea that where is this going to go? And of course, we have no way of knowing, but definitely, I think it could help people put ideas together that maybe weren't put together before. I suppose an ideal test would be to have chat GTP tell you about how secure your information security management system is. Interesting idea. Thanks. Very good. It's just something that has been dawning on me as we begin to use it, even during in the podcast space, there, there's opportunities. Before we head out today, I just wanted perhaps to queue up for our listeners about what is going to be discussed during our next episode. Well, since we've had a podcast about auditing and a podcast about risk management, podcast about all the clauses, including this latest group, the Annex, I thought perhaps the next logical thing, Howard, would be to do our, our podcast on how to get ISO 27001 certified. It would be something like, what are the steps to ISO 27001 certification? Very good. Well, we'll, we'll tee that up in our show notes and I am confident we'll have a, a listener base that's going to be very interested in this topic. And by the way, uh, to our listeners, we will, Jim and I really want to thank you for supporting the ISO review podcast. As I look at our numbers, they're consistently growing every week. And so this is a testament to the topic and Jim's knowledge and ability to share this very important topic, especially to complex organizations who have IT systems and information management concerns and need to be aware of it. So we really want to thank you for that. In this next conversation, hey, it's time to get certified. And now Jim's going to provide the steps to that. Before we head out, Jim, if our listeners would like to learn more about you and your work, where are the best places for them to go? Well, at two best places, Howard, as far as websites go, are simplifyiso.com. And we have a blog there and there's information about what we do, the software and so on. 
And the other one is IMSI Pro, the .org, the International Management System Institute page. We have all these podcasts listed there. Plus, there's a bunch of free training courses for ISO. And they're generic courses that would apply to all the standards as well. And just one more additional thanks to our listeners. We hit a milestone last week. We had our 1,000th download. It was fun to see. So thanks to everybody for listening and thanks for taking the time to, to download the podcast and give it a go. Thanks. Fantastic. Yeah, I saw that as I was going into the our hosting platform today just to kind of figure where we're at so I can you know share news with you. And that was definitely a milestone. That's pretty darn special, especially as we are just coming up to our one-year anniversary of publishing our first episodes. Fantastic news there. So we're going to provide the backlink, Jim, to simplifyiso.com, the website, as well as to the International Management System Institute website at imsipro.org. Anywhere else you want us to, we want to send our listeners to, I imagine LinkedIn and some of your YouTube channels as well. Yep. We've got a LinkedIn channel and we have a bunch of posts there on various topics, all pretty much related to ISO, most of them. And there's a YouTube channel with lots of videos, shorter videos on uh, pretty much most of the standards that are most popular these days, all the clauses of ISO 9001, ISO 45001, the health and safety standard, and some on 14001, the environmental standards. So there's enough to keep people amused for a while there, for sure, Howard. Thanks for asking. No worries. So amused or entertained, perhaps they are junior or novice professionals in the whole ISO management space. And so this is a great opportunity for them to take advantage of some really great content. Jim, again, it's been a pleasure to have you on the ISO Review Podcast. I say it's a pleasure, but this is your rodeo. I'm just here to support you and you're doing a phenomenal job. And as you just shared over a thousand downloads and I'm excited to see where we end up, say, perhaps a year from so. Yes. Thank you again, and enjoy the, your holiday today. All right, and you enjoy yours next week, Howard, and thanks to, all, thanks to you for all your help and technical expertise in the background, getting these together, getting them out to our listeners. So it's been a great pleasure working with you, and I'm looking forward to a bunch more. Fantastic. Listen, stay in the line. We're going to do a final close, and... You and I can have that last few moments of chat. Okay. All right, folks. We have just been chatting with Jim Moran, ISO management system professional. The call today's episode, culmination of the you know, the Annex A, the, the various controls, organizational, people, physical, and technical. We hope you certainly get value out of that. The show notes will include our links to Jim's website, again, Simplify ISO, as well as to the IMSI website as well. And we'll have the backlinks to Jim's LinkedIn pages, as well as to YouTube. As for me, you can find us on foxcoaching.com. I also have our link to, to a, a LinkedIn profile page as well. And as for the ISO review podcast, you can find us and wherever you get your podcast. So everybody from Apple, Spotify, Amazon, uh, so just search for ISO Review Podcast and you will find us. 
And do join us next time for our conversation where we talk about the path to ISO 27001 certification. Okay, folks, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, go out there, have a phenomenal day. And we will see you on the next episode of the ISO Review Podcast. Take care, everyone.